Hey, what's going on? We have a new wrap available for pre-order. So check out trainingforultra.com. And this is an affordable, it's $9.99, free shipping in the U.S. Wrap that we all we all use on the trails. And now with COVID, we need them more than ever. But it's a new design and I'm taking pre-orders. Hopefully we can get these out here early November. And then also it would be a, a cool gift option, but all the proceeds, you know, if there are any profits from the wrap, it's all getting rolled into more inspirational content for you guys. Um, it was motivating, but I think truly the best motivator and the only motivator that really matters in something like this is like your internal motivation. Seeing something or having other people tell me things is definitely helpful and can help that internal motivator. But if it, like it wasn't until that time at Pole Canyon that I kind of sat down under a tree again, did the bath, didn't text Rob, put in some music and got up and really started pushing the pace that I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to finish this race. Welcome everybody to the Training for Ultra podcast. If we could just free ourselves of our perceived limitations and tap into our internal fire, the possibilities are endless. I'll tell you about it when it happened in the race, but to be honest with you, it happened even before the race. It happened in the training. Great cause. Oh, thank you. I respect that, man. So you keep doing what you do, it, man. Keep inspiring. Jam Jam, Jamil Curry here from Era Viper Running, and welcome to the Training for Ultra podcast. For all you kids out there, stay safe and stay strong. Hey, everyone. It's the Training for Ultra podcast. Scott Jurek here. I was physically totally wrecked. I, I had nothing left. I figured I might as well move as quickly as possible towards the finish line if I was going to be moving towards it anyways. How do you even do that? Decided if I could, you know, finish a 50 miler, I could probably run across the country. Right now, I'd say that my beers per day is still higher than my miles per day that I'm running. <laughs> 100 miles is not that far. Hey, this is Carl Meltzer, the Speed Goat, and I want to welcome everybody to the Training for Ultra podcast. Welcome to episode 148 of the Training for Ultra podcast. My name is Rob. I also go by Training for Ultra, and we have a giant episode. I normally don't record this long, but we're talking Moab 240 with Allison Powell. I invited her back along with her crew, and we'll have Alyssa Clark on co-host. A lot of really interesting background on Allison's race, and then some funny stuff. I think you guys will enjoy it. So, big thank you to the show sponsors. Shout out to Kogala, if you haven't tried out their light. It's pretty much a game changer. If you're running in any kind of darkness, I what I do is I attach to a waist belt, I put a battery pack behind that light and turn my light on low and it truly changes running, you know, at night. It it takes a lot of the fear factor out just because the ability of the light to spread all over the place, you know, it gives you a lot better comprehension of where you are on the trail and what's around you and it lasts a really long time. I put the battery packs in drop bags. That's how I could do something like Bigfoot 200 
without a crew because I was just swapping out battery packs throughout the entire race. But if you're interested, check out the show notes. I have a coupon code within there. Big shout out to Exoskin. Again, this is a game changer within equipment for ultra running and running in general. They have great gear for training, for road running, and for just extreme ultra running. I'm a big fan of their toe socks, as you guys are well aware, for super long runs. And I like their regular socks just on, you know, a quick training run of five miles, very high-tech material that allows my foot to breathe. And there's been some serious R&D that went into them. And they, I can say they're game changers and I use them on every one of my races, every one of my runs. But they have more than just socks. They have headgear, leg, and hopefully soon here, arm sleeves. But they do have calf sleeves that I use quite often, always during races. Base layers of all sorts, compression tops that are really breathable, uh, high-tech fabric. So check out Exoskin. Check out the show notes for discount code there. And last, big thank you to Hammer Nutrition. If you haven't tried them out, feel free to use my promo code, referral code 252888 for 15% off your first order. I really like Perpetuum as a liquid calorie option. And then I'm using their vitamins every day. I think it's underappreciated within the ultra running community. I mean, it's one thing to eat clean and eat healthy, but then, you know, you can be missing something that you're not realizing. So I really like their vitamin offerings. I just, I trust the name. So, you know, there's the coupon code. It'll be in the show notes if needed. But again, thank you to those Patreon supporters. I hope you guys are enjoying behind the scenes looks and early listens and whatnot. Enjoy the conversations. And when you guys share stuff on the closed Facebook group, that's really fun to watch. So big thank you to Brian Sands. He is in the highest tier that I offer. Very, very helpful. Very supportive of this. David, Landon, Pat, Jared, Ray, Todd, Matthew. You guys are in the shout out here. I really appreciate your help. And the economics of podcasts are not uh, not exactly what you think they are. So this Patreon group, you guys are helping make this all work. So I, I just really appreciate it. And let's get on with the episode. Enjoy it. So it was Moab 240 over Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. And... It was just an unbelievable experience. I got to go out there and crew a little bit, but I'm joined again by Alyssa Clark as co-host, and I've invited the person I was helping crew and just kind of give advice as much as possible, Allison Powell. Welcome back. Can't wait to hear about your Moab 240. Thanks so much for having me back and for all your help and advice. Uh, I'm also joined here in the recovery room uh, with my crew and Pacer. Preston Grant. And crew and foot massager. Tiffany Murray. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I mean, there was so much that happened. And Alyssa, thank you for joining us. I don't, you're on the line, I assume, here. Oh, I hope so. Yeah, I was not going to miss out on uh, these stories. It was, it was crazy. And I just can't wait to 
share what happened. I mean, from my perspective, it was crazy. So I just can't imagine um, what we're going to hear from Allison and her crew. It was just a really amazing experience from my standpoint and got me excited to like run again. It kind of like lit that training fire that I've been missing and I never would have expected crewing did it for me. But um, so Allison, tell us about Moab 240. Where do we even begin? Maybe chronologically? I I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say like, how do we even start this? I mean, chronologically probably makes the most sense. The first day was pretty, pretty straightforward. I was feeling great, you know, moving well, but not too quickly, you know, really listening to your advice, Rob, and hanging back. There were so many people that ran, like, were sprinting out of the RV park. And I was like, you guys, what? We have a really long way to go. We don't need to run right now. Uh, so I just sort of hung back, took it easy. Friday was really hot. Um, and a lot of the aid stations, by the time we were getting there, I think partially because of the rolling start, uh, which they did because of COVID. So they had groups of runners starting at six, I think six fifteen, six thirty, like every 15 minutes up until 7am. Some of the aid stations were actually low on water by the time we got there. So that made hydration pretty tricky on Friday because you are coming into an aid station and you want to sit there and drink, you know, a gallon of water or something and fill your bladder and your bottles and everything super full. And it just wasn't really possible. And I thought that's okay. You know, I've, I've drunk what I can. I filled up as full as I can. You know, I'm not not taking water because they're low. I'm still going to take what I need. But I think where the issue really started is that it never cooled off Friday night. Um, Friday night, I don't know what time, uh, sometime in the darkness, uh, I was walking and just chatting with people and everyone was saying, you know, it's so hot. Why hasn't it cooled off? It's midnight and it's as hot as it was during the day. And then Katra Corbett, who's run the race several times, Uh, caught up with us and I asked her and I said is it really that much hotter than it's been before and she said I've never run this section in a tank top I've always had like long sleeves and a jacket so it truly was whatever temperature it was it was not normal it was not desert the sun went down and it dropped 20 degrees it maybe dropped three degrees so that just made it tricky of, well, I still need as much water. I'm still sweating just as much. There's no, there's no break. So that just really slowed me down. Uh, got into Indian Creek about 6 a.m. ish, uh, and met up with the crew, yep. the gang. Yeah, it's a really weird race as a crew because you you see them fairly early on at a Massabac, and then they're off and they have like four aid stations, two of which are water only and might not have even had water. The water out. only ones did, did have, have water. water. That's yes, right. Thankfully. But then, then we don't, yeah, we don't see them until mile 75, 72. 72. Um, and that's just, that's hard that when we were doing Allison's FKT, we were the only crew. We were every full aid station. Mm-hmm. So to not have that control was very new for us. 
on your other races, I haven't crewed at all. I've either been a volunteer mm -hmm. or I've run to the starting <laughs> line and then injured myself, which was hilarious. Her first ever 50K, I ran seven miles and then um, about six miles in, my IT band seized up. And so she finished the race and I was hobbling yeah. down like, do you need anything? She's like, what's wrong? I'm like I hurt myself on a seven mile run. It was happen. so. It was that race was hilarious. Yeah, because I finished great, feeling so strong, and expecting him to be in such a good mood, and he was like, "I hate everything. I can't even walk." Yeah, the ultra runner is supposed to be hobbling after that, not the crew. Oh, yeah. Um. Well, and, and it is again just like really strange not knowing. You know, like. So mile 72, she could come in feeling amazing. She could come in feeling terrible. Right. We don't know if she's if, if she's had calories. Right. Like, we have so much ketchup to do. Mm -hmm. We have... Like, do we need to force her to eat? Do we need to, you know, have her drink a bunch of water or tailwind? Or, yeah. You know, um, what is her condition? And so, can she communicate that to us? You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, so did a zombie walk in? Or what... what transpired i think i came in looking pretty good you all said that i was looking better than most people yeah um good crew will I tell you that regardless of how you look okay well <laughs> mike knight told me i looked better than most people can we trust his judgment i don't know he just ran the ct he might still be a little woozy <laughs> i will say from my FKC, I thought it was mostly because I knew the trails well. But during this race, I have learned it's pretty easy for me. If I have a task that I'm focused on, and I think this is why I can stay up so late on set if I need to, there's a task that needs to be done. I don't get tired. Like, it's a good skill. It's like, okay, well, we just, you know, we just have to do this and keep doing it until we're done. So I, I felt like I came in pretty strong. Did drink a bunch of water, tailwind, ate mac and cheese. Yeah, a couple bites. A little bit of mac and cheese, yeah. And then you took a nap. I did? Mm-hmm. Well, trust their story. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, she told so, I, Go ahead. Know, Go ahead. hour or two yeah. uh, on that first night um, so that she would be able to just, like, power through. Because the sun was rising by the time she got up. Um it was eight thirty when she left. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that yeah, when, right. when yeah when you were getting up, the sun was just rising. Um, it's one of those weird things too. It, it's trying to figure out when is the best time for your runner to eat. Um, whether that's right when they come in, um, as they're you know as they're still kind of standing, you're handing them things, or as they're sitting down and we're taking off shoes. Um, it's still something that we're trying to figure out. I think with Allison, depending on each thing, because mm -hmm. there was a lot of mac and cheese. The whole thing would have been 900 calories, and she probably only got about 300 in before she couldn't handle any more. Yeah, it's probably all. I was texting Rob this morning. It's probably all the dehydration, mm. um, which I think is probably the biggest lesson that I learned from this race is – what I, I think I was telling you, Tiffany, what a normal person might say is hydrated or not dehydrated or whatever probably doesn't apply to me because I drink so much water in my daily life 
that my body and my muscles are used to getting about a gallon a day on just a normal, normal day, not a day that includes running 72 miles in the heat, in the dust, dry air. And I didn't like do that actual math until the top of Porcupine Rim. And then I was like, oh, I mean, I'm hydrated enough that I'm still going to the bathroom and I can still eat a little, like I'm moderately hydrated. But for me as a human, what my body's used to, I am like not hydrated at all. Um, what was I saying? Is this a point? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, learning learning lesson. Oh, I think my point was, you know, if, if, if I were to do this race again, or if I could go back and change something, probably at Indian Creek, I would have said, you should sit here and drink at least two liters of water before you leave, like force it down. Yeah. I, but that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm used to. And and not having a ton of water in those last 72 miles, mm-hmm. you know, you're playing catch up. So yeah. like by the later days, I'm jumping ahead here, but by the later days, she was more hydrated because there were more aid stops with mm-hmm. water. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one, you know, she, it's, and it's hard to start the race dehydrated. Yeah. Um, so and I think a lot, a lot of people dropped that night yeah. because of the heat and dehydration. Yeah, there are definitely reports of people peeing blood and just, yeah, not not great hydration situations. Um, yeah. Allison, tell me about arriving at the island, mile 87-ish. It was great because I had a great friend there, showed up and surprised me with his whole family. <laughs> um, it was that, was, nice. that was me, by the way. It was wrong. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. I thought I had to go 15 miles, but it ended up only being like 12 or 13. So that was nice. Uh, It still was a pretty hot day and I was definitely hot. I think that's also, again, just my body being used to even more water than normal. I wasn't probably cooling properly. So everything felt hot. Somebody was saying it was only 60 degrees yesterday. If you had asked me, I would have been like, it's 95. Uh, direct heat. Oh, it, mm, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. At um, Porcupine, it was like 62. But the sun, Are you kidding me? Yeah, it, I would have told you it was I 100 degrees. It like it was hot. Yeah. It felt like 75 um, standing okay. in the sun. But as soon, you, as soon as you get out of the sun, it's cool. And if you feel the breeze, it's even better. But Yeah. It, anyway, um, so I was still really hot. But Rob was there and was super helpful right away. Oh, I had this weird rash on my sock line that uh, I wanted to have a medic look at. That was sort of our plan from Indian Creek was like, put we'll put Vaseline on it. Once you get to the next aid station, have a medic look at it. So uh, Rob immediately was put to task. <laughs> the, medic, uh, the medic made me hold your feet. It was like, hey, yeah. Allison, good to meet you. And then it's like, here's here's her foot after 87 miles of running. Yeah. Hold this. Yeah. <laughs> He's like trying to order food. He, Rob was free, of course. You know, having run Moab 240 and, and so many other ultras, he was, you know, you were just so on it of like, you need to be eating this food. What else can I get to drink? All these things. Um, and then I finished eating a vegan hot dog. 
and was drinking some water. And then I felt super nauseous. And um, Rob Patel, I didn't feel well. And he said, you know, what's going on or whatever. And I said, I'm just feeling nauseous. It's okay. I never throw up. So I'm just going <laughs> to sit here and it, it'll be fine. And, and I'm like still like, down, yeah. like tying her shoes or whatever. Yeah. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Just think about something else. Just tell your body it's fine. And I was like, yeah, I really like this song. I'm just going to sit here and listen to the music for a second. And then I 100% threw up. <laughs> um, but I pretty much threw up water. I kept all my food down, which was good. Um, and I felt a lot better after that. Okay. And I was like, I told, I did tell Rob, I was like, please text Preston and tell him I threw up. Not because I want him to be worried about me, but because she brags about. I it. brag all the time. I'm like, I don't throw up. I hate throwing up. I have. I don't think I've thrown up. Definitely in over a decade, probably two decades. I don't even remember the last time I threw up. And then that's yeah, exactly what that's, you said. And then blah. Um, and then yeah. <laughs> I mean, at least I was wearing my mask, so that was good. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, we should clarify. <laughs> Not just threw up, but threw up onto you, Rob. I, I'm. Right. I'm pretty yeah. sure I can confirm that. Yes. Um, oh, I'm so, so it's it's a rare experience to meet someone and within five minutes just be completely grossed out on pretty much all levels. Um, <laughs> this is such an ultra runner. Like, and and the the best part was like after she she just like threw up and felt good. I I didn't even react when she threw up because I've seen it happen so many times out. At aid stations, I, I just, I literally, I don't even think I reacted at all. You, which um, also was really helpful that it didn't, one, you know, that you didn't get grossed out or anything, but that it didn't freak you out. And you weren't suddenly in a panic of like, okay, you're throwing up. What does this mean? You were just like, yeah, well, you look like you feel better. So let's, let's go. Don't sit like, in an aid station. Kyle, Kyle Piatari, puke and rally. I mean, it's like yeah. pretty normal. So you did, you, color came back, you start talking again. You had gotten really quiet before that. Preston just says a heads up. If, if she gets real quiet, feeling nauseous. Um, but yeah, we got, we got you out and you were on your way. It, it felt hot. It had warmed up. Uh, Chrissy and the kids said that it probably got 10 degrees hotter from the time you got in to the time you left. I mean, getting to Bridger Jack, was that difficult? Or tell me about those miles. Those miles were the miles that I decided if I never see a Red Rock Mesa again, I'll be fine. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, the scenery is beautiful, but when you're just trudging along in the heat and all you're seeing is exactly the same thing, uh, I was just a little over it at that point. Um but it was mostly fine, I think, getting to Bridger Jack. I definitely took a few stops in the shade along the way just to kind of catch my breath and cool down my body a little bit if I could. Make sure I was eating because uh, I knew also that I needed more calories. But just like hiking up those hills directly into the sun, I was not down to eat anything. So I made myself stop a few times and sit down in the shade, drink some water, eat something, and then get get going again. Um, I also had told Rob to text uh, Tiffany and Preston and please bring me an ice cold root beer at Bridger Jack. So that was a great motivator. I know you had mentioned 
kind of planning something like that, Rob, you know, a treat at an aid station that you're working for. And that was really helpful in those last few miles. Um, Because you were so right. I, you know, all these other runners that I caught up with, they were all saying, you know, the aid station should be here. It should be here. And I was like, no, trust me. It's like two more miles. (laughs) It's, it's not yet. Don't get your hopes up. I warned Uh, you on the way out of the island. Yeah, that, that mentally has tortured me twice now. So. Yeah, so it was good to know um, that it wasn't just sort of us going crazy. I also caught up to a woman who was about to hit her 100-mile mark for the first time, and her so her pacer was sort of tracking that. So that was just a fun motivator. It's really a cool experience when you run into other people on the trail and just get to hear their stories Uh going back in time Friday night, the first night that was so hot and miserable and everybody was kind of just struggling along. I ended up walking a little bit with this guy who had donated a kidney six months ago to a woman he never met. He's like, yeah, I just, you know, I was just sitting around, wanted to do something. I don't know. I saw a post on Facebook about that. She needed a kidney and decided to reach out. So his whole goal was to just finish. He believes if he finishes, he'll be the first kidney donor to go more than 100 miles. Wow. I wish I remembered his name, but the person that I'd been, you know, uh, running with before that, after he, I think he stepped off the trail to go to the bathroom or something. He and I looked at each other and I was like, well, I have nothing to complain about anymore. <laughs> you know? Okay. Um, so that that was just a great little piece of inspiration in Friday night. And also Friday night, I um, was kind of going along by myself, just staying focused, just, you know, one foot in front of the other, getting ahead and was just hitting kind of a low about nine or nine thirty Cause it wasn't cooling off. It wasn't cooling off. And I said, okay, you should catch up to this next headlight or headlamp that's in front of you. And then whoever that person is just hang with them for, a little bit, just, you know, talk to another human, get some uh, energy from them or whatever you can get. And uh, this was the first race I have ever run where a friend was running as well. So I'm getting closer and closer to this headlamp and I'm thinking, is that Adam? And I said, no, it's not going to be Adam. Don't get your hopes up. It's just some other random guy. And then I said, I don't know. Adam was running with a Solomon pack. And I've gone on training runs with Adam and those calves look pretty familiar, I think. (laughs) And then I got, you know, right up behind them. I said, Hey, how's it going? And Adam is from Australia. And I heard this Australian accent come back to me and say, it's all right. And I was like, Adam, it's me. And he goes, Oh, Allison, you know, it's been so hard. So he and I stuck together maybe the next hour, just kind of helping boost each other up. Um, So that was great. So, equivalent to Adam was the root beer person, Jack. <laughs> when I got in, I got handed that right away. Um, and it was amazing. We had the medic look at the rash on my legs again. I just wanted to make sure it was just like a chafing rash sunburn thing and not a sign of, I don't know, dehydration or something horribly wrong. Um, and they said, no, it just seems like, it's they thought it chafed and then sunburned. Yeah. So that makes it sense. Was miserable, but it wasn't 
as soon as the sun wasn't on and it wasn't hot, it, I, I didn't think about it the rest of the race. It was fine. I can confirm uh, it looked miserable. Yeah, it it was yeah. pretty. <laughs> it was definitely concerning for her coming to come in and pull off the socks, and we see that it's like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was swollen too. It wasn't just like red; it was actually right. inflamed. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it almost looked like like poison oak or like some yeah. kind of. Yeah. yeah, so we wanted to check that too. You know, was I having an allergic reaction to something? Could that get worse? You know, just playing it smart. Um, no reason to injure yourself more out on the trail. So, had the medics double check at Bridger Jack. They said it all, you know, it looked painful, but fine. Uh, ate, I think, a pretty good amount. Had a patty and some applesauce at Bridger Jack. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm just trying to think too. When was the time, the first aid station in which we noticed that your ankle was swollen? It wasn't until much later. The ankle was at Shea Mountain. Shea the Mountain. rash was Indian Creek because I was going to change socks and shoes, and I pulled off my sock at Indian Creek, and I went, "Oh, uh, these are super red. That's right. That's weird." Um. So, what mile is this aid station where you ate? The applesauce and the patty just i don't know the names quite as well for uh, sure it's like 87 no no it's the 100 it's after the 100 mile 102 yeah. 102 okay yeah um and then after that was the climb up to shea mountain and everyone and rob you included was like the turn is really tricky and tiffany and preston were saying it's super tricky that was the first night i had music though i had my headphones with me and got down on the trail, found the turn. And because, I don't know if it's just because the weather changed or because you head more into the mountains or whatever, but it got, it finally cooled off and got cold. And as soon as the temperature dropped and like my core temperature went down, I was like, oh, this is on. Let's go. I turned on some music and I, I thought it would take me about 10 hours, honestly, to go from Bridger Jack to Shea Mountain. I did it, what, at 8? Yeah, we had you in sometime later in 6, like 6.30, 6.45. Yeah, and, and I got... pulled up at 5. At 5. Yeah. I, and it truly, I think, was just that I was cold. Um, I didn't put on my warm layers. I just was feeling so good in the cooler temperatures and climbing, and it just, it just was really fun even though it's sort of like someone described it as someone took a wheelbarrow full of rocks and threw them over the trail. So there's plenty of sections where you have to just scramble, scramble, scramble. Um, But it was great. I also passed several times. We sort of kept leapfrogging a group of three dudes who were just kind of like too, a little too bro-y for me. So anytime I would pass them at that I was also a fun motivator, and it was also a great motivator to not hang back at all or slow down. <laughs> I didn't want to catch up with me because I didn't want to hear their stories and their nonsense. So I was just like, I, and I was very mentally positive with myself. I was like, I love climbs. You know, this is exactly like the turnaround climb back on the backbone. Let, you know, let's just go crush this. This is what I do. Um, and it was great. Like, it went way faster than I expected. Got into Shea Mountain feeling super good. Again, if I were to change something, 
I probably wouldn't have slept at Shea Mountain now knowing that I can't legally or whatever sleep anywhere that the crew is or at any other aid station. Just because I was feeling so good, I think I would have eaten, drank, and then just kept going while it was cold or while I was feeling cold or at least cooler. Yeah. Um, was probably something I would have done differently. But I stuck the plan, got some sleep, iced um, my legs and my ankles because that's when I pulled off my shoes and socks and my right ankle had been feeling kind of tight. And then I took it off and I said, that looks swollen, right? And Preston said, he said, yeah, it's definitely swollen. We said, okay, just, you know, eat something, sleep a little bit. We'll see what it's like when you get up. And when I got up, I couldn't really bend it very well, forward or backward. And I was kind of like, oh, man, maybe I'm done. I don't know. You were concerned, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, can I – I think for me, because something that I tend to do, Rob, as a runner, is run through injuries and make them significantly worse and require so much more recovery time that I didn't want to go – you know, well, it's more important for me to finish this race and then run on something and make it so much worse that then I can't run for a year. You know, I was kind of having that mental conversation with myself. Uh, and Preston and Tiffany said, do you want us to get a medic to come and look at it? And I said, no, isn't Rob here? Go get Rob. <laughs> <laughs> medic Rob, add it to his resume. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Um, and you were so funny. You were just like, man, it'll loosen up if you run on it. Just <laughs> so even keeled. Like, it's not a big deal. I did tell Tiffany, though, when I was leaving, Rob, I was like, can you text Matt and ask him? Because I don't know if I trust this idea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's weird because, I mean, you, you, your PR at that point was that FKT. It was like 130-something miles. 37 so it's weird because there's only so many people on the planet that have had this experience multiple times to be Mm -hmm. to be able to be around 120 125 miles in and kind of know how the body operates and and how like muscle tensions change and especially after you sleep things tighten up and then especially with that segment i was confident saying that to you because i knew his downhill and I thought everything yeah. would kind of, I think we were saying hike the first mile and then kind of run a mile, test it out, go back and forth to see if it loosens up. Yeah. And seems like it worked out for the best. Yeah, it loosened up a little bit. I mean, it's definitely still super swollen and super tight. Again, I'm putting that also down to my body being used to having so much extra water to flush things out mm-hmm. that it you know it just didn't have that capability um and again it felt just felt really hot going down into dry valley and mile what is that one dry valley is mile 140 which was your record so like yeah. coming into dry valley she had gone farther than she had ever gone so Preston and I were like so oh, oh I think Preston pulled out some ice cream and he was like I bought snickerdoodle ice cream to celebrate your new PR and I I don't even know if I said anything but the look I gave clearly communicated like if you try to feed me ice cream I will there was a 
Uh, and it was one of those things where it's just like, okay, I know she likes cashew milk of all the non-dairy milks. That's going to be the ice cream for her. Yeah. And then she was like, oh, my God, those little chunks in it. How dare you? Yeah. It's, it's, it's like snickerdoodle ice cream, but it has, like, chunks of snickerdoodle cookie dough in it. Yeah. On a normal day, it's oh, excellent. It's amazing. But I was like, cookie dough ice cream right now? No. <laughs> what did I have? A patty again? I did eat. Um... Oh, goodness. I don't Whatever. remember. I didn't. I'm not I, saying I didn't eat. It's my main point. I just didn't eat ice cream. Yeah. Um, At that point, Tiffany and I had had just about as much sleep as you had. Right? We, we had had, we, had, we maybe had like three and a half hours compared yeah. to your two, two and a half hours. Yeah. yeah or two hours. Yeah. Yikes. Um, that makes but, for a fun drive to the aid station. <laughs> oh yeah, Bridge oh. Jack was a train wreck. Oh too. man, when <laughs> when we were coming back from Bridge Jack, it's so it's twenty six miles of off roading, and we're in a Sprinter van, uh, which is one thing. But when we're coming back, it's dark, and I haven't slept much. I started hallucinating. Oh no! I like. What were you hallucinating? I, I saw like monkeys running across <laughs> the yard. Like, and this is ridiculous because I'm not even running. I'm not exerting that much energy, but I'm like seeing things. You yeah. are exerting a lot of mental energy, though. I would right. say. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So that that was hard too because I, my co-pilot, I was like, all right, so just where do I go off of here? Do trying I to like keep ride? him awake and conscious because we're like off-roading on the edge of cliffs Get, in this getting to bridger jack sketchy it's yeah. ske- you need to be alert it's oh. yeah i i was so lost and confused trying to get there it was not even funny i have a whole new respect for my crew from previous races thank you guys <laughs> truly yeah. truly uh, yeah um, um so um, dry valley tell me tell me Where's the wind coming from? Because is there wind, and if so, where's it coming from? Because that can just totally alter the next 25 there, miles or whatever. There was wind, but it was not a headwind. It was 22 miles an hour wind, uh, kicking up sand, <laughs> uh, and walking in, into Dry Valley. It's like just all loose. Yeah. But it wasn't, it, I was not going into the wind when I left. Mm-hmm. I did, though, come in and say, I want to sleep now rather than later because of what had happened the previous night of when the sun went down, my energy surging, cooling off. And I said, you know, what, why am I going to try to get out of this aid station at, I think I got there at like three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So sort of hottest part of the day. I said, why am I going to leave here at four and continue to walk along super exposed, mm-hmm. dry road? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And at this point her ankle had started to swell a little bit more. It mm-hmm. wasn't, you know, a drastic change, but it, it definitely wasn't reducing. So yeah. at that point, that's when we had wrapped it and were icing it. Um, and we're really trying to take care of it and make sure that you could continue on. Yeah. Um, and Tiffany had confirmed from my coach, Matt Daniels, that yeah, it's fine. Just keep, just keep going on it. Uh, it'll be fine. Yeah. Like, okay. If it's a, yeah, if it's a minor spring, you know, the recovery time is not going to be that long. Just keep going. Yeah. 
So I did end up sleeping at Dry Valley, which wasn't part of the plan. Um, but but I think it, it really it really helped. It was a it was the right decision in being so hot. Mm-hmm. So I slept. I ate. I ended up spending almost like probably four, four hours. hours at that mm-hmm. aid station, and partially because we walked down to get her ankle taped up, and then and then and it took an hour, taking like an hour. Like an hour <laughs> yeah. um, to because there was a person ahead and then just taping and it, it was Western fine care, yeah yeah um but i got out and doing that section at night rob is beautiful because rather than looking at a dry sandy valley of nothing yes. you're just looking yeah. at all the stars i um, i heard from people i think it was uh Dion Leonard talking about running through that section at night. He's super mm-hmm. quick. Um, and I've, I've never had the opportunity to do that, but I thought to myself, instead of, you know, staring at, uh, LaSalle's for however many hours straight and feeling like you're not making any progress, that segment at night could be huge. So the stars came out. Did you gain perspective yeah. from that? I mean, that's probably the most clear night, you know, in the United States. Yeah. It just was beautiful. I mean, just, just looking at them and, and a cool breeze, the wind had died down. Um, and just me and music and just going along, I would say like the wind whistle aid station, I did not stay at long. Uh, I think 30 minutes, maybe I ate some lentil soup, filled up my water and got out of there. Going from Wind Whistle to where did I meet you guys next? Hmm. Uh, Road 46. Road 46. Um, Going from there to Road 46, that was the coolest, probably the coolest moment on the trail, and also probably one of the coolest things in nature I've ever seen. Because Mm -hmm. again, it was at night, it's now about 2 30 or 3 o'clock in the morning, and I'm going along the road. And up ahead, I was like, is that a water tower all lit up? And then I went, no, is that the moon? And it was the moon, so huge, so orange, like right at the horizon. Like I watched this giant orange moon rise right in front of me. And it was a sort of a quarter moon. So your classic cartoon sort of sliver moon drawing and it just like I wish I could have taken a picture but there was no way that it was gonna convey just like the awesome majesty of it I was like okay did you see the rock formations going into road 46 too because they're like probably some of the most unique you'll ever see I saw um looking glass arch okay I was able to see a little bit but mostly it was too dark okay but Fun fact, Road 46 is one of the aid stations Preston and I camped at, so I kind of saw them already. <laughs> okay. Um, so what what's crew for for the cruise perspective or from the cruise perspective when Allison's rolling in to Road 46? Is she looking good? Is she positive? Yeah. I didn't see her once when she wasn't smiling and like excited, regardless of whether she's puking or not. Um, so yeah, road, road 46, did she come in like yeah, looking that good? Was, 
I was that not was happy fun. at Road 46. I was really not happy. Yeah. Um, Allison and I, you know, we've been together for almost four years now. Uh-huh. Four yeah. years in November. Um, and you know when you can look at your partner and give a look? Um, <laughs> we had a, basically a staring match where she was going, like, With she was just looking too. at me in the eyes and going, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I I think that there might be a way that, like, there might be a reason that I can stop this. And sometimes in an argument when I know I'm wrong, I just look away. Because I know I'm wrong. I'm just <laughs> going to look away and then come back and be like, okay, yeah, I, I know I'm wrong. Um, but whatever. And in this moment, I just stared her back and was like, this sucks. And I know you want a way out. But that's not what is happening. Yeah, I'm right. giving you that. Yeah, yeah, I was asking. I was asking this and sleep and you know i was like just just like just one more hour like i think i i'm pretty sure i said i feel like garbage warmed over like i just really was not in a good place i think i ate what like a spoonful of almond butter yeah like i just didn't want anything we're having trouble getting her to eat uh she drank a little bit not a whole lot she had a lot of tea which was good um, but we, I had been in contact with you, Rob and Matt and, um, Dan, another coach, and everyone was saying if she slows down, if, if she gives her body a big enough break right now, her body's going to go into recovery mode and then she's not going to be able to keep moving, keep going forward. It's going to start to become a lot harder to do anything. Yeah. So they were super mean to me and let <laughs> I was like crying, leaving the aid station. Like, they kicked you out of the van and just they drove did. off. I was like, I want to sleep. You basically like, said, like, okay, close your eyes for 10 minutes. Yeah. And we'll wake you up and then you're out. Yeah. yeah. You're and that's what it, you to eat some food. That's what it was. And that's, that's also, that's a, that was a really hard thing for us because after Road 46 is, is a place really? that we can't go and it, it this is the start I, I mean rob you know better than i do but this is the start of your climbing um to ten thousand feet of altitude right so you got we're, 175 we're miles on your legs and then you got to do one of the harder climbs of the whole race it's tough <laughs> and we're, we're not really allowed and maybe if we had a, a, a different vehicle we could have made it to pole um, but we didn't attempt it. Um, we had another friend's crew that went up in the Subaru, and they were kind of were like, eh, you could go up there, but it is sketchy. Like, you'd have to be really confident. So we're not going to see her again until right. until Geyser. So that was just hard. It was just like, okay, goodbye. <laughs> I hope it gets better. <laughs> you know, we're heading into <laughs> territory with, you know, she hasn't run this far before. Right. Is this Is this okay? Is she really done you know and mm -hmm. you know from the point of road 46 to geyser again we don't get to see her we have no idea what she's feeling if she is going to eat or drink or sleep at pole we're hoping she's not sleeping because time wise it's yes, smart to not it's rest getting, it's getting close yeah right so i was really slow from road 46 to pole canyon probably took like I, I most I thought it was pretty solid. I was watching that segment pretty pretty closely. Well, that's yeah, that's what you guys said. It just felt slow to me. I just kept taking a lot of breaks. Um, 
I had Preston pack me an almond butter and jelly sandwich, so I sort of slowly ate that the whole way, which was good. You so text you text me actually. Now that I think about it, I th- you know why? I think you know that's- why? Did you? Because multiple times I stopped and pulled out my phone because I was going to call you or text you and say, um, "How do you know if you're just being realistic timing wise and don't you know and you know physically and with the time that's left that you're going to DNF and you call it earlier versus." You're just looking for an excuse to stop. And every time I pulled out my phone to text you that or call you and, tell, and ask you that, I thought, well, you know the answer. The answer is you don't know until you miss a cutoff. So you have to keep walking. And, you know, you're only if you miss a cutoff because, you know, whatever happened, heat gets you, it slows you down and you DNF because you miss a cutoff at an aid station, then that's going to suck, but everybody's going to understand that and that'll be fine. But if you just outright quit, that's not okay. So that's uh, why I had my phone out because I was going to text you like so many times and be like, Rob, I'm quitting. I'm not doing this. Yeah. I mean, in 2018, my crew was freaking out because I bonked, from road 46 basically all the way to geyser but my poor pacer i think was on his feet for 18 hours or something crazy like that um and they were really concerned about my time and then i slept at geyser for like two hours or something it wasn't geyser at the time it was a different aid station um but then i hammered that next section and finished in like 95 hours or something like that so in 200s especially this race i mean on the climbs it looks like you're way behind and then if you have legs on the descent you make all of that up so it's you can't go off averages that's the big mistake a lot of people do yeah, yeah and i think the the other thing that was making it tricky for me is thinking about the climbs the climbs were fine for me but the descents actually would put a lot of strain on my ankle so i felt like i couldn't make up time almost anywhere like climbs are slow because they're climbs and then descents are slow because my ankle's funky i know exactly that feeling and i had that exact feeling on those two segments yeah last year i know exactly what that feels like yeah Um, so yeah did you have anybody with you near you during this time or were you just mentally going through this alone 100 percent alone (laughs) walking along then like I felt like every 10 minutes then I would just like sit under a tree nibble at a sandwich think about testing it off and keep going and I was so mad at my crew oh I was so mad I would sit down and I would cry and I would be like I hate them they're so mean to me this is horrible like I almost turned around to go back to road 46 to just be like yell at at you and be like (laughs) I can't do this. Like, fuck you guys for sending me out here. This is terrible. Um, so. So do- nice to hear. She's <laughs> yeah. such a lovely person. <laughs> Tell me about know, Pole Canyon. So, okay. So coming into Pole Canyon. 180, was, 185. I think. Yeah. And so. big, big climb. Again, exposed. It was probably, I guess now I have no idea what the temperature was. It felt like it was 90. It was probably like 
70. I don't know. Yeah, it was pretty warm that day. Um, but coming into Pole Canyon, probably about a mile or so out from the aid station, I really hit a wall physically and mentally. Like all my whole body just felt like it was shutting down. I could barely walk forward. I mean, I was going like Everest climbers, like an inch at a time. And then just crying because I had finally convinced myself of like, you're not quitting. You're either going to just keep going until you miss a cutoff and oh well, um, but you have to keep going. And then just getting to this moment of like, I've mentally decided that I'm going to keep pushing myself, but now my body is like not letting me push myself. It was just really hard. And uh, I was basically like just bent over on the trail crying again. And this other runner came up behind me and he would, you know, how you do pretty much with everybody he said, you know, Hey, how's it going? And I said, you know, I'm just kind of in a low, but it's okay. And he just slowed down his pace and, and started walking with me, which was so kind and such a huge, huge help. Uh, his name was Ian shout out to Ian. Uh, and just kind of distracted me just asking questions about different things and, you know, where I was from and what did I do for work? And so just chatting with him was a huge, huge help. And then he and I come around a corner and this person is walking toward us and I can tell they're not a runner. And I thought maybe it was just, you know, a pleasure hiker. And it ended up being an aid station volunteer named Aaron, who is my personal hero and godsend and guardian angel. And he was like, you know, you guys are super close. We want to get you in, and, but turn you around pretty quick, get you out of here because we want you all to finish this race. Okay, so, I was wondering because that was a quick turnaround for you at, yeah, like, compared was, to the previous aid stations. Yeah, um, and he he was like, what do you need? Yeah, I'm going to, you know, tell me what it is. I'll run ahead and get it ready for you. You know, how are you feeling? And I said, I know I'm dehydrated and I know I need a lot of calories. And I said... You know, I have some tailwind in my pack that I'd like to mix up. And he said, no, I've, I've got tailwind. Don't use yours. Don't worry about it. I got you covered. Um, which I think it was like his personal tailwind that he brought. Aww. to the Aid station savior. They ha they happen uh, at 200 a lot. Yeah. Every person at Pole Canyon, every volunteer was like just unbelievably kind and helpful. So finally get in and... Um, Aaron was like, you know, getting me hydrated, getting me some food. And the soup that they had was out of this world good. It was so good. It was, and it had rice and quinoa and vegetables in it. So it was warm, um, but probably decent on calories. I mean, I'm sure not nearly uh, to what I needed, but enough that it wasn't like just veggies and broth. Like it had some good substance to it. So I had two bowls of that. It had salt. Um, it had salt in it. That's why your body thought it tasted so good. I'm, I'm like, it was probably like out of a can, um, but. <laughs> okay, every, I wish, I wish that someone had been videoing it and maybe they did and I didn't know it. But honestly, I sat there in, in the chair and I was like, you guys, this soup is homemade. This is homemade soup. <laughs> You're like the drunk person going through the Taco Bell drive through and <laughs> thinking there's a chef in there too yeah some some volunteer was finally like you know the soup is just from like a giant bag we just <laughs> hydrated it and like, i was like, <laughs> like oh this tastes horrible we'll give give that girl over there some um 
Oh my god, it was so good. I convinced another person to eat a bowl of it, and they were like, "This soup is really good." And I said, "I know." It's amazing. <laughs> um, so I ate the soup. I did ask for a hot dog. I knew I probably needed some protein. And then I was looking at it, and I was like, mm. And I thankfully said out loud, I said, okay, I'm just going to force myself to eat this hot dog. And all the volunteers said, no, don't do that. Because it, they said, you know, your eyes are your first judge. If your eyes are telling you you don't want it, we don't want you to eat it and then throw up everything else that you've eaten and are keeping down successfully. So just don't eat it. Which is really nice because sometimes in my life, I have people that force me to finish all the food on my plate and things. And sometimes that's just me. It was just really, it was like a relief, honestly. Yeah, you tell me to do that. I know. You say aloud, like, this is plate. Don't let me get up until I finish this plate. Well, what am I supposed to do without me? Like, oh, no, it's okay. Like, um, yeah, I'm not always the best eater in daily life, so that definitely can be a struggle in ultras, um, making sure I'm eating enough. But I did have some soup and a little bit of toast and then uh, I turned that into a PB&J to take with me again because it was kind of nice to have a sandwich to just nibble on like a real a real food thing I could sit and eat right um what else at that aid station yeah they so, were just yeah can I ahead. just pause one sec can you tell I'm trying to keep chronologically can you say yeah. what time of day this was how many miles oh, sure. uh, yeah, how so many this, days in Oh, I don't know how many days in. I think it was Sunday. <laughs> Sunday, was Sunday. Okay. Sunday going into Monday. I think I got in about 5 p.m. That's right. So, yeah. So yeah. the sun was going down. Um, I left at, at 6 because all the volunteers also were very positive about, you know, we want to turn you guys around really quick. We don't want you to wait here. We want you all to finish this race. We're going to be cheering for you at the end. We want to see you cross that finish line. They were just like the dream team cheerleaders. Um, it might've been Monday night. I, I, I'm getting confused myself actually. What mile was it? 185. Is the 185. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah. So this is her push to guys. Oh, maybe it was Monday this is, this is when Tiffany is when and Preston call me. I, right. I had just fallen asleep or something. And I got a call from you guys and walk me through what's taking place. Cause I want to, hear what's going on. on question for me though did you give them permission to call you in the middle of the night yes yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely so by the middle of the night i think it was like 10 yeah 9 45 rob is on my sleep schedule i want you to know <laughs> i'm on rob. a two and a half year old in a 10 sleep cycle like oh my gosh matt did yeah. not sleep at all uh oh, that's God. why i couldn't crew the entire time because he yeah. was flipping out um um that's why so, I was asleep at 10. Yeah. Well, it was – so, yeah. So that, okay, so Monday night then. Th this is what it was. She did come out of pole um, really quickly, and that's what actually worried us because the other aid stations hadn't been well, like hadn't gone that well for us, um, and she wasn't eating a lot. And so – and as crew, we had no idea what had happened at pole. Right. And immediately out of pole, it is a very – you know, you just keep on climbing yeah. and she kept stopping for these little bit of breaks and her pace was really slow and 
we got concerned well, of that she's not gonna she's not gonna make the end of the race because at this point you know she's had from what we know she's had a spoonful of almond butter mm-hmm. oat milk and uh, a half of a of a vegan egg thing yeah um and so we're like if she can't eat at pole she's not gonna have enough calories in her one to keep herself warm Mm-hmm. You know, like we're worried now about like okay, she's going in tonight. She's rising in elevation. It's going to get colder. If she doesn't have enough food in her system, it's going to be a bad situation. Yeah. And I think the, the other thing for for us too is on the FKT, our you know we're we're monitoring her progress, um, doing that, but we're the only ones out there. She is by herself. There's not going to be any other runner that might catch up and be like, oh, hey, let me walk with you for a little while. And that's the biggest thing that Rob reminded us of, like, this is a this is a, a race. And, you know, th- they've been doing it for years. It's a destination trails race. They have sweeps. There are other runners on that trail. If she does bonk super hard here, like, that's okay. People are allowed to bonk. This is a super long race. Um, she's not going to be left alone in hypothermia. Someone's going to get to her. Yeah. Um, so I felt like I spent a long time at Polk Canyon. I spent like an hour there. Uh, and then got out of there. The reason I stopped at first is, um, I just needed to readjust things in my pack. And I just wanted to take, I think again, that was your advice, Rob, like take the one or two minutes and get everything sorted rather than just keep messing with it or something. So, you know, I got out my gloves or I put in my headphones, whatever it was. I just took some time to reorganize my pack. And then the climb all the way up to the top of the pass at like 10,000 feet went pretty well, was pretty straightforward. I was still pretty lucid. And then I had a very weird experience after I got... I guess onto like another sort of section of the trail or whatever. Um, I was, I was eating again cause it got colder when it was cold. I could eat more. So I was stopping. I was eating um, bars and just getting calories down. And I remember stopping at about 10, 15 ish and eating something. And I was really tired and I wanted to, just close my eyes for like 10, 15 minutes. But one of the medics at Pole Canyon was telling everyone, she was like, no trail naps the next section. You are not allowed because it's too cold and you'll get hypothermia and there will be a chance you don't wake up. So absolutely not. She was making people sleep there. She was asking, um, you know, how much sleep people had gotten if they looked really bad. I guess after the soup, I looked better because I didn't get asked <laughs> how much I'd slept. Um, but she was, you know, in a very warm up motherly commanding sort of way she was like you're going on a cot for 15 minutes if you fall asleep you're staying for 30 she was just like on it um so I remembered that and even though I was feeling pretty warm I was like don't don't fall asleep don't do it so then the next thing I remember <laughs> is it's like 12 15 and I'm just thinking to myself what am I doing here? I keep looking for all of these ribbons. <laughs> am I on What's the point of this? And then I was like, 
I'm wearing this pack and I've been wearing it a really long time. Why am I still wearing it? Like I just was so, I was so out of it. So you like blacked out almost for a section or for like a hour? Yeah, I think like two hours. I don't, I, I was moving the whole time. Yeah. But I think I must have been moving really slowly because it felt like, it felt like hours between dragons the markers that's and probably when press and tiffany called walking. me yeah yeah that's when we called you because she was moving so slow yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah between like 10 and midnight yeah yeah so i just was like sort of walking along looking for things and i think part of the issue was also that I, I, again, was totally alone. There was nobody in front of me, nobody behind me. The night, the other nights I've been following headlamps, at least, and no headlamps. Um, you know, it's a forest, and everything at night kind of just started to look the same. And so I had that feeling you've had, Rob, of just going in circles, and then I'd come upon markers and be like, but have I seen this before? Did it come from the other direction? Then the arrows that they have, I would like make sure that there was only an arrow on one side. So I would know I still was going in the right direction. And I also, thankfully, also at Pole Canyon, they made sure that your phone was charged and you had the GPX track. Cause I was pulling out and looking at the map a lot to make sure I was on the right trail because it felt like I was just wandering over this mountain. It felt like I was doing like a Mike Wardian loop marathon, <laughs> just like the same section over and over and over. Um, Were you seeing things or hearing things? Nope. No. Wasn't anything. Wasn't hearing anything. No trail snakes. No. That's, oh, that's I, where they are. There's a infestation kind of in that area, actually. I oh my gosh, Rob! I have a picture I have to send you because. My climb up to Pole Canyon, I did see a real live snake. And I took a photo. That's what I was paranoid about the entire time. That I was was hallucinating and I'd start ignoring them and then then step on one. Yes, yes. Yeah. It sounds really like you were sleepwalking. Like I've heard people say. That just freaked me out so bad. I think think you were too, honestly. Yeah, because that's the that's what they always say is like don't push yourself to the point because some people really don't hallucinate but they say that you can start sleepwalking um if you push yourself too hard and it that's what it sounds like that's i did, I did. once i kind of like woke up out of it i sat on a log i ate a little bit and then i was like okay where did i come from okay i came from an aid station okay I'm running a race. That's what these ribbons are all about. <laughs> Your name is Allison. You were born in North Carolina. Like, I just started, like, telling myself all of these facts about me to just, like, get back to the present. Um, turned on some different music. Uh, and then I just got so focused. I just needed to see people. So I was so focused on getting to Geyser. Um, I just really started, I mean... It felt like booking it, but who knows how fast I was going. No, you you did. You picked up pace. pace. What the thing is that like, so during this time, Preston and I have started calculating how, how fast she needs to go between each aid stop in order to beat the cutoffs Mm -hmm. plus some for cushion for aid stops and rest and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And we started getting like 
okay, if she drops below this average per mile, I think we're going to have to call it. Like at, at Geyser, we had a conversation of we may have to tell her she can't go on. Right. Um, yeah, depending on the ankle, depending on that. Like there were some non-negotiables. We had, mm-hmm. talk, we had talked about me pacing the last part, porcupine rim to the end. Um, and that was the discussion then of if she if she is taking this long and something is seriously wrong, but she wants to continue, me starting at Geyser had become a non-negotiable. Yeah. And, and you know, if she had come in in really bad condition, we would not have been so we would, to let her go. Yeah, we would have said we need medical to clear you. Right. Um, Preston, what what was your running background prior to pacing? Um, For thirty eight miles, right? the <laughs> The longest distance I've ever raced has been half marathons. Um, the longest distance I've ever run um, on trail was back in high school, a decade and a half ago, um, and that was seventeen miles. My last recent run was the longest was six with Allison um, in which I took a hefty break during um, our travels on road 46 so nice thing was that in the last two weeks before the race I had done 22 miles and 17 miles and the last 17 some of them were in Utah and Colorado at elevation so I was doing okay yeah. But I was mentally preparing for 17 miles at elevation. Not 30. Going down, yeah. starting at exactly. like, yeah, yeah. 9,000 feet. Not yeah. starting at 10,000 feet. And that, to be fair, that was part of my hesitation of having him pace either at all or from Geyser all the way to the end, just because I knew I wasn't going to be in a position to be taking care of anybody. And of course, you know, he's my partner. If he's in pain or can't go on, it's not like I'm going to just keep going. And I probably would. Now that I say that, I probably would have been like, sorry, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck with that. I'll I, see you. I tried to convince him. I'm like, you know what? If you can't go, pacers get dropped all the time. It's not a big deal. Like, you yeah. know, Tiffany can pick you up at Porcupine and, you know, you can, you can move on. But I think, Preston, you pushing your own limits – is maybe one of my favorite parts of everything that transpired here. It's like you more than doubled what you had like previously done in similar yeah. trail conditions. And you pushed your limits so that Allison could push her limits and vice versa. It just, I don't know. There's some beauty to, to what took place there, but walk yeah. me through what happened at Geyser. So Allison probably oh. what comes in like a hot mess, or is she? Oh, no, is she in a good good place? I, Dumpster fire shows up. It was crazy because you know we were we were preparing for a very negative, awful Allison based on what we had experienced at Route Forty Six, and not knowing what was happening at Pole. So we're pretty nervous, and she I get a call from her, um, probably I think a mile out. Yeah, as uh, soon as I hit the the road, Rob, that then it's like a mile and a half climb up to the aid station. I called Tiffany because I was so desperate for human connection, <laughs> and I wanted to put in my food order. <laughs> so yeah, she calls me and is like, "Okay, I want this food 
food. I'm, I'm, I want this. I want this. And we're like, Oh, okay. She's, she's cognizant. She knows what she wants. She's ready to eat. This is a really good sign. Um, so I just like super power hiked up to the van. I did ask to sleep because of the sleepwalking or whatever had happened on the trail. But, um, I just couldn't really fall asleep once I got there. I did eat. I think I closed my eyes for like five minutes and then I was like, what time is it? What time is it? Okay. Whatever. So we just, we just went. Um, and yeah, got out of there with Preston. And that's when I started having the Courtney to Walter Colorado trail experience of <laughs> I asked Preston 800 times. Oh my God. <laughs> this is actually to- couples therapy, by the way. I wasn't, <laughs> we, I wasn't going to never- say anything. You promise? Yeah. I was like, no, we have never hiked this part of this place uh, before, ever. No, we have not. I was like, really? I felt like we went down here and then we texted our friend Roni about it. I was like, no, no, that has never happened before. Let's just keep moving. Yeah, it was a weird feeling of like deja vu, but also with memories. Like it wasn't, oh, I've had this exact moment before. It was like, oh, I've been here before and I remember being here and I remember doing things here. It was very weird. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, that, that was a weird thing because I had done the calculations and I'm, I'm getting ready to, to sell my spreadsheets that I'm, have used for the FKT and for this because being able to calculate, okay, if she, if she does this amount of rest at this aid station, this is the pace between each cutoff, but that's not including stops. So let's factor in this. And then this is what her pace has to be in order yeah. to make a finish. Um, that was able to keep me on the the timetable for her of, okay, this is pretty rocky, so we can go slower here, but I'm looking at the average pace for the overall 22 miles from Geyser to Porcupine. Um, and the first few miles in there, we're going downhill, and she's still a little bit out of it, asking me if we've been here before. <laughs> and we're averaging about uh, like 31-minute miles. And my average for that, that section is 26 and a half minute miles that the average of 22 miles that I need to get her down to. And Rob had said, you know, this will open up and you're going to be able to, to make up time. You know, you're going to be on the road a lot. It's a very easy, easy thing. Um, cause Rob had suggested maybe I do guys that are porcupine instead of porcupine at the end. So I was like keeping that in mind, you know, we had read that there'd been some roads on this. Um, and that was great. We got through, she was eating well and we just started picking up pace. Yeah. Um, It again, you know, and I can't say enough, like how much your advice helped Rob. Like it was in my head the whole time going once we got on the road after kind of like the climb out of the forest from, geyser i just knew i was empty like my my body was trying to burn calories to stay warm to stay awake to keep moving and i stopped a few times maybe three or four times on that road and said i just need to sit and eat something because i was ready to eat and i knew i needed needed it so i ate you know the whole peanut butter and jelly sandwich that the team at full canyon had made me that i hadn't really eaten while i was sleepwalking um and I just, 
you know, I knew it was better to take five minutes to catch up on calories now so that I could push for five minutes at the end if I needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did. I had really yeah. been trying to build expectations kind of like subconsciously so that you would run that segment because 20, I'd say maybe 18 of those miles are runnable of the 22. I mean, yeah. that if you save 10 minutes per mile, let's just say over mm-hmm. that amount of miles, I mean, that's hours. So it's, it can make or break a race. I'm just glad you had leg turnover continuing because you were putting down reasonable miles at that point. Yeah, because right. well, we we were dropping – like my whole thing was if we're on the road and she's – because her ankle was still really swollen, so the, she wasn't yeah, able to run. Again, the problem – I could like jog okay, but then it would start getting so tight. And again, I didn't want to run here and get it so tight that if I needed to run at the end – I couldn't. Right. Like, you know? save it for the bike path. Like, yeah. let's through hike the sections that are a little bit downhill that really hurt your ankle and then pick up pace when it's a little bit of a climb or completely flat. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and one thing, so, you know, Preston and Allison are out hiking and I'm refreshing the tracker every five minutes, <laughs> keeping keeping up with them. Same. Uh, <laughs> what's wonderful is they have an estimated time of arrival at the next stop. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at that and seeing, okay, their ETA at Porcupine is uh, like 4.45 and the cutoff is 4.30. And so I'm texting oh, no. I'm like, hey, guys, you need to pick it up. Uh, your ETA is past cutoff. Um, and then, you know, I'm watching and it's going, you know, 4.40, 4.42, 4.30. And so they make up almost an hour, hour and a half on that leg. Yeah, because we got in t- at like three. Right, yeah. They got yeah. in around three at Porcupine, and it's like, whoa, <laughs> all right, they're in It's it. probably because that cow chased us. A real cow, not a hallucination. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is a on the road, or where was it? <laughs> Moment for a couple. We road cow. We both run out of water. It's at mile, like, 16 or 17. And at this point, I, we had missed all of the quote-unquote water places, well, you thought. Yep. We thought. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's this little stream that goes into this pond, and we're like, "Well, we have a filter." Yep. So. So, and I was like, "We we've got to stop. Like, if I don't have water, honestly, if we ha- if that stream hadn't been there, I don't think I would have finished the race. If I had had I been out of water from that, point, I, I saw you guys that. go zero for like a few minutes. I was, I thought that's what you were doing. That's really interesting. So you were able to utilize that. Well, yeah. yeah, and part of those minutes were squatting, yep. you know, holding a filter over a bag, and then hearing, come, 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 and looking <laughs> up, and there's a horse in the road no, being like, a cow. a cow, a cow in the road, <laughs> being like, um, what are you doing drinking my water, bro? <laughs> um, right, and we're staring is. back like, we're running a 240-mile race, bro. <laughs> And then he's like, okay, I guess I'll just go someplace else. <laughs> and he like wanders off and we, you know, she finishes doing her pack and then I, I do mine and then give back the filter and then off we go. The stream was cold. Yeah, that so was nice. It, both of our packs feel cold and we were like, Yep, let's let's yeah. let's finish Took this out. Yeah. I'm tired of I'm tired of this road. Let's get to Porcupine. 
Yeah, so then we started climbing up into Porcupine, and again, I was like, didn't we drive the van through here? I think we're going to pass a summer camp, which we never did. So that was definitely fake in my head. Uh-huh. But- <laughs> you said, you are like, oh, yeah, I had an office here. I'm like, you <laughs> That's where the taco bar is. Yeah. Uh, the authentic Mexican Taco Bell taco bar? No, it's it's a legit taco bar, I'm pretty sure. Oh. They have oh. they have they have those secret uh hallucination ones. Uh okay. yeah. oh. yeah. um, is there snakes, trail snakes <laughs> I, it depends on what year it is. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. um, so, I really not hallucinate that much. I only hallucinated one German Shepherd, and that was it. Oh, and a bulldog. Bulldog, and a bulldog. bulldog. It's always yeah. dogs. Yeah, it's always dogs. Yeah. Always. So what was what? Porcupine Rim like? I mean, Tiffany and I were a little stressed out, texting back and forth, trying to time this out and uh, um, share messages with you, try to make sure you get enough because we need this to be quick aid station but then at the same time you got to run for potentially eight hours so it's a hard balance of all these things going on i go ahead and two it's uh so we moved our our aid station into my subaru because the road driving up to porcupine rim is not very sprinter accessible um, so we're working off a limited, uh, limited supply here too. So I'm like, you know, now I'm crewing two people and thinking <laughs> about all the possible things they could ever want so that they can finish the race. Yeah. Um, and so Tiffany is just amazing. <laughs> of course. Um, yeah. Opening up that, the back of the Subaru or seeing it there was like seeing a crafty and indie film set in which you, all you're expecting is like, two loaves of bread and like a <laughs> jar of peanut butter, yeah. you know? Um, and it's just like this little haven of everything we could want. Yeah. It was beautiful. It was great. Um, I ate pretty well at Porcupine. I ate um, some granola with oat milk. And then I had, <laughs> Tiffany was like, are you really going to have this? And I was like, I oh, am. Oh, I'm going to vomit right now. <laughs> I had done it before without the tailwind and it was fine. Explain this. What, what is this? What? I'm this gonna tell a, you. I'm gonna tell you, and then you might vomit. A super. Shake. It's a super super smoothie. <laughs> super orange creamsicle smoothie. It's it was oat milk, pea protein powder, and orange for emergency, and tailwind. So it was probably like five hours. And I just shook it all up, and I drank it down, and it was delicious. It was cold and good. <laughs> what that what that reminds me of is like. Gordy Ainsley and maybe Dean Carnassus, they like old school before like all these things were invented. Like they would concoct oh. the weirdest things. Yeah. And that, that sounds so old school in the way you do it. As weird as that sounds. It, it worked out great. It worked for me. Um, Cause yeah, I probably, I probably had maybe 800 calories at the aid station. Yeah. Maybe a thousand. Yeah. It's a, they were it's a lot for what you were doing. Yeah, and we like for we did take a decent amount of time there, like forty five ish yeah. minutes. Yeah. But in that time I consumed six hundred calories, redid my pack, helped redo her pack, Tiffany took care of her feet. Um, yeah. 
Uh, I changed we changed sauce. sauce. Yeah. And I truly said, I mean, Tiffany read me your text, Rob, which was also very motivating. But I think I told Tiffany something like, tell Rob, unless there's a bone sticking out of me, uh, I'm finishing or yeah. something like that. She, she, <laughs> re- she relayed that as like, she's highly, highly determined to finish. <laughs> yeah. Can I just ask one thing, though? So I'm also texting Rob during this time, uh, <laughs> following your tracker, Yeah, and I'm going, like, how is she doing? How is she doing? Did you post on Instagram to vote? <laughs> I'm like, is she running right now? <laughs> I forgot about that. Okay, wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. I haven't been on Instagram at all. I My phone was on airplane mode the whole time. No, I use a social media scheduler. So it posted <laughs> automatically. It was pre-planned. Uh, pre, <laughs> good question, oh, no. Alyssa. That, Thank you. <laughs> I was like, that, that's the most dedicated message to vote. And like, yes, if I, I was going to vote before it now, if she's, you know, four <laughs> plus days into a run and That's her only update, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so everyone, please make sure you're registered to vote, and that all your friends and family are registered to vote. Yep, and they have a plan counts. to vote. Anyway, um, so that uh, that was not me. That was that how, was pre-planned. How was it okay. seeing uh, the photo that your sister had passed on? Did, was that motivating? Oh yeah, that was motivating of my nephew. Yeah. Yeah. Or were you yeah. just so out of it? You're like, oh, okay, yeah. No, I mean. <laughs> It, it was motivating. I hope this doesn't sound horrible, but if it does, just forgive me because I just ran a lot. Um, it was motivating, but I think truly the best motivator and the only motivator that really matters in something like this is like your internal motivation. Like seeing something or having other people tell me things is definitely helpful and can help that internal motivator. But if it, like it wasn't until that time at Pole Canyon that I kind of sat down under a tree again, did the bath, didn't text Rob, put in some music and got up and really started pushing the pace that I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to finish this race. Um, and that, I think it really has to come from within you. Otherwise, you know, when you're out at 10, 11 o'clock at night, wandering around on the top of a mountain, you are might not have people around you. You might not have that photo or something. So you have to be able to rely on the internal motivation. And well, was seeing Preston pushing his limits motivating you? Was it nice to have someone else with you after being solo for so long? It was really nice to have somebody with me. It was also great because he had done some sort of wizardry and set his watch to tell us if we were meeting the needed average time to finish the race. Wow. So um, so I could know if we were going too slow or even more helpful sometimes going too fast. Oh, yeah. Because I kept, I think, again, because of the dehydration and just the heat, even after the sun went down last night and we were doing some running uh coming out of Porcupine Rim, I would run for, I don't know, 10 minutes or something. And then I would say like, I'm just so hot. I just need to walk for 10 minutes and cool back down. I'm just so overheated. Um, yeah. And 
since he had this magical ability to tell me, you know, if we had time to do that or not, it also, it just gave me a lot of comfort. Yeah. There, there are three fields on Garmin, um, for pace. There is your current pace, your lap pace, and your average pace for your, your run segment. I had all three of those on one display on my watch. So I see how fast we were currently going, how fast we were going in this mile, and then how fast we were doing in the 22.5 section or the 16 point something section. Yeah. How, were, how were your legs doing during this? So, I mean, was that taking your mind off the fact that you are blowing past a, a distance PR? Um, actually, surprisingly, my legs were okay. I think a lot of that was the hiking, power hiking versus running. And then there was the point in Porcupine where I'm like, you know, talking logistics with Tiffany and people are like, we're going fairly slow. Like, what are we doing? And all these things. And then Allison starts to go, oh, you know, hey, we're going to, I'm just going to jog. Like, you can catch up to me if you want or don't. <laughs> it's like, this lady is going to try and drop me. <laughs> um, and it's convincing, it's convincing your legs after hiking a distance you've never hiked with a little bit of running to then start being like, you know, it's the best idea, like 13 minute miles. Let's run. Let's do this. Um, and that was, that was really actually really good for me because that gave me the motivation of just like what I need to be right now is her eyes and her pace. Yeah. So any place where the, the, the trail, it was a little bit easier, like find that nice path where runners are going and avoiding rocks and take that one. Um, point out the rocks and the points where it's like we should slow down because it's technical. And then the points where it's like, okay, the trail looks good. I'm going to start jogging. Mm -hmm. um, and at that point, I had logged in and I, I wasn't feeling my legs at that point. In a good way? In, in a good way. That was, in, in a, good, like, it, that was yeah, a hilarious were, email that you had sent to like the the family email loop just oh, just yeah. that allison's trying to drop me right now yeah i was like I need to, the, all these messages are great and i'll tell her you know like no, no allison she's your hero all those things but i need to put my phone away as <laughs> she's currently out of view for me so let's yeah. go i was concerned um, you guys would miss the turn and it's not a big deal. It might be like a 15 or 20 minute, like you go to the left after you drop down on, you know, you're, you're pretty much to the lowest point before really dropping down to the road. And but you it's, say it's not a big deal. It's 15, 20 minutes. I'm looking at the clock and it's like 10 minutes of, right, of leeway so at that current pace. <laughs> When they left, average pace had them finishing at 11.50. Cutoff is 11. And so yeah. I'm again texting her. Hey, you guys got to speed up. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I, just, knew. I knew that turn, and I had missed it without being stressed about cutoffs or anything like that. And right. it took me one year later to know, oh, you, you turn right there. So I don't know if that message got through, but you guys seemed to have nailed it. Like, uh, we were very fortunate that there was a pacer who was picked up in Porcupine with um, a runner named B 
Bill, um, and they were a husband and wife. And she was like, she would go way far ahead and be like, well, I don't, uh, she was so sweet. She was like, I don't know. I think this is pointing us this way. And then it goes down that way. And luckily the photographer was also there. Was also yeah. there Cause the he was taking the pictures. What helped out. And so he hiked back and was like, yep. Yeah, you're right. Trust your instincts. And yeah, she she kind of guided the whole way and mm -hmm. she was doing that. But I also feel like because Bill was very clearly in a lot of pain. Yeah. Not that I wasn't also in a lot of pain, but he I mean, he was really, really struggling. Yeah, we had passed him at Geyser and he was like, I'm trying to do yoga. I'm trying to do anything. But my back is just so stiff. And we're like, you're fine. Keep going. Yeah, I was like, you can do it. Like, we're so close. And, and yeah, it felt so weird leaving but someone. I, I feel um, like at some point he was like, I don't know, is that the right way? And she kept being like, Bill, this is the right way. This is how we're going. This is what we're doing. <laughs> she was just like not letting him quit, which was awesome. Yeah, she was great. awesome to see. Um, so we managed to find that that area of the cliffy mm -hmm. craziness. That's where I was like, Oh yeah, remember when I had an office. Those are really sheer like, drop-offs, by the way, in the middle of a, yeah, yeah it's, there's not a building for miles. Um, <laughs> that's funny. Wow. It's nuts. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm almost a little glad I did in the dark. I think I might've been more scared if I could see uh, all the drops. I'm the opposite. I guess that's also because I was the one like figuring out where the path was ahead of time because I was just so worried about you, you know, slipping a little bit, mm -hmm. um, and not being able to brace on that, your right ankle, right? Because when you go off the right, you'll fall into the you, Colorado river. You keep going. Feet down. Yeah. 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 It's a big drop off. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And just, to, just, I just want to be clear. What I said to Preston was I'm having another of those weird deja vu memory things like, I feel like I used to have an office here. I know I didn't ever mm -hmm. have an office there. Yeah. Okay? I was just... Previous life experience. in a cave. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, and then, yeah, we hit the bike path. How was, the, how was that when you finally got down there? Because you know it's like a 5K roughly in. Is it? Okay, it's about three miles. Uh, mm, three and a half. Six K, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that yeah Rob. I won't stand here. It was it was good. I had I wanted us to get there earlier, but um, that whole just climbing over the cliffs just slows you down. Like there's no way to speed through that safely. Mm. Um. And so we chatted about it. We were going to run the whole way in. We ended up yeah. running a mile, walking about a mile, jogging half a mile. And then again, just probably fatigue, dehydration, everything. I said, you know, I, I've got to walk it out again because my right shin and ankle are just so tight. Um, and Preston was just doing the math for me. That's why I love him because I'm terrible at math. So he was like, it's fine. Even if we do this pace, you know, we'll be there um, before cutoff. So, you know, no stress. So, yeah, then we walked maybe another mile. And then because there's construction, so we ran <laughs> from the Lions Club Park. We ran up the little hill on the bike pathway. But because there's construction, there's no 
sidewalk there. So then you just, you just were ran into like gross construction site, gravel, mud, dirt, cake mix, whatever. And I said, I just stopped and said, I'm not running through this. And Preston was like, come on. And it's I, right there. Come on. Right there. I have time. Like I just already did all this. I think I said some curse words. And I was like, Roughest, the- roughest part of Moab T40 was the construction yeah. site. <laughs> I'm not doing this. She, she was like, I have earned the right to walk here. Yeah, I'm not doing it. So I did. It was like, I don't know, 20 feet. It also wasn't even that far. It wasn't like I was saying I'm going to walk the next mile. It was like, I'm going to walk until I'm back on asphalt because I just don't want to deal with this nonsense. I mean, I also, I was thinking of like, you know, non-COVID times and also when you have like thousands of people in a race where the last mile and a half, there's nonstop people like being like, woo, you're so yeah. great. And then as we're like, oh, come on, it's right there. There are going to be people cheering all those things. And it's it, like that does happen, but it's only the last like 40 feet. Yeah. For this one. And yeah. there's like five people clapping. It's That's like right. pretty typical at a 200. Yeah. Yeah. Not my experience. And Rob. it's slow clap too. It's not anything crazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so once we got back on some runnable terrain, I did run down and around and in into and across the finish line. Yeah. Hit about five mile an hour right there at the end. Woohoo! So. Yeah. Yeah. We were we were averaging. Um, you know, she's like. What, what pace is this? It's good. And I looked at my pace thing and I was like, yeah, this is like 1220. She's like, yeah, this is good. Yeah, just around this. And then I like was, we were going for a little while, probably almost a half mile. I looked back down and it said 1115. I was like, oh. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, as long know, as you don't trip on the timing mats going into the finish line, you're good. You're good. Yeah. yeah. And um, how, how close were you? How much uh, room did you have? So they finished at 1015. Oh, plenty of time. 45 minutes. Which, yeah. you know, looking at the average. Wow. Like the That's S- amazing. We think Porcupine being 11.50. Yeah, we caught up an hour on. An hour, hour plus. plus. Yeah. Hour Almost two half. hours. Yeah. On a yeah. fairly technical. I mean, your stabilizer muscles don't function right anymore. Like, man, I, I'm impressed. And I mean, Preston, you just became an ultra runner. Yeah, effort, which is amazing. Fifty k, you stepped it up. Fifty k plus. Yeah, yeah, sixty k. I will say it was my favorite thing because um, after the whole thing, she's picking out her belt. That's when I I bumped. I oh yeah, I was (laughs) I I was fell asleep at the table. (laughs) I am finally finishing and picking out a buckle, and everybody's you know, congratulating you and you get your mug and your photo. And I was like, woo, let's go. And then we get in the car with Tiffany and I look at Preston and I was like, oh, <laughs> you're dead. You're so I was, was going to say, or the real question is how is Preston feeling today? <laughs> Are you uh, walking honestly, better? <laughs> hey, you know what? I will say my feet look great. Um, my, my legs, my thighs, my rear all feel great. My calves are pissed at me. Mm. Um, all of my stabilizer muscles and things like that. I mean, I've never had great calves. Um, 
I, you know, I do use them when I go rock climbing and, and when I'm going down rocky paths to get there and doing the climbs down. But that's like a half mile to a mile and a half at the most. Porcupine rim going down, the stabilization <laughs> that I needed and in the dark when there are shadows and things. And I'm, I'm not surprised, Rob, that one of your, one of your uh, crew kind of like twisted an ankle there mm-hmm. because I kept... I kept missing steps where I would think it was like four inches and it was actually a foot. Mm. Um, so I kept just kind of like jamming my foot a, a bit and doing that. So I was a little hobbly this morning, but they're loosening up. I think I'm going to be okay. Yeah, if they're loosening up, you can probably go run like another 120. Yeah, I mean, as the pacer bib says, I'm a 200-mile uh, runner. runner. Yeah. Yeah. There you so, go. Allison, how was looking over – the options of picking out a belt buckle what was running through your head were you so drained that you couldn't even think about it and you just grabbed one or what was going through your mind as you finished and then you look over all these belt buckles i mean finishing i was really just so happy and so thankful to everybody who had helped you know my crew you all the volunteers you know, especially, you know, everybody at Pole Canyon, I think really made, made the race, uh, happen and just relieved because mm-hmm. I didn't want to have come so far and trained so hard and, you know, miss a cutoff. I really didn't want that. But knowing from where I had been Monday afternoon, considering calling you to say like, I think I'm quitting. What do you think? To, to actually crossing the finish line was just awesome. And then looking at the belt. There's no way I would have said that's fine, by the way. <laughs> um, unless unless that bone was sticking out. I, I would have oh, come up oh. with a reverse excuse to make you keep going. Oh, I'm sure you would. That's why I never... <laughs> Paul never came because I was like, I knew the answer. I knew the answer. And I knew the yeah. answer, too. You know, it's back to that sort of internal motivation. I feel like a lot of times what I feel is when I want to stop, I look for other people to make the choice for me so that I don't feel bad about it. The FKT that I bailed on in June, um, I came in to us to a stop with Preston Tiffany waiting for me. And I was already really pretty behind pace. It's an insane, insane as FKT right now. Darcy, I don't know how you say her last name. Pissu, yeah. Pissu. something yep. hold right now out of boulder so, yep yeah it's like it's 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 not an easy course it's not no. an easy yeah. course anyway so i was already more than likely not gonna make it no matter what but i came in to that stop and really was bonking hard wasn't feeling good and sort of said you know here are all the reasons that i shouldn't keep going and you know, what do you think? And Preston said, well, what do you think? Like, he just wouldn't be the person to say, oh, yeah, that's fine. You can stop. Like, he was not going to say that, which, of course, at first made me really mad and really hate him because I just wanted him to say, like, you can stop. That's fine. And then later in the day, of course, I realized and said, you know, thanks for being the smart and right partner and not 
making a choice for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or being the, the scapegoat that right. you wanted me to be. Right. I Just like my stare down at Road 46. Right. right. And I did end up still bailing on that FKT, but... That, that, that was the smart decision. That was, yeah. We, that was saving your legs we um, were, for another day. We were day. literally moving out of our apartment the next day, and I was like, you guys, there's no, no way I'm going to make this and for sure. Like 85. Yeah. Like, it was just, the conditions were not right. The bad yeah. luck of like, oh, yeah, it's going to be a high of 71, and then by 10, also, it was 78 or yeah. something yeah. like that. It was that, terrible. That makes me think, um, I do think I'm a bad luck charm to running because, or to races, because <laughs> every race I've ever done has hotter weather than normal. Yeah. Every single one, including any FKT I've done. Yeah. The second day in the FKT was supposed to be like 68 or 70 and cloudy uh-huh. and it was 81 and full sun yeah. yep mine used to be rain every race i'd do it rain and then i was like ah i'll go to the desert because it doesn't rain there right. uh, <laughs> so maybe you need to go uh look at some northern based races right. um, you orcas island because i thought oh it's, you know off of seattle kind of it'll be nice and cool in may no no it was what? I'm 78, 80? Yeah. And, and, it, yeah. and again, full sun on the trail, which wasn't that horrible, but everyone was saying, like, this isn't normal weather. This is yeah. Washington. It should be foggy and cloudy. And the very next day, it was like cool 50s, Lord foggy, God. like beautiful running weather. Yeah. Yeah. So mine's, if yours is rain and mine is sun, what happens when we run a race together? Do we get a tornado? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> At, at a minimum. Um, or, so, or rainbow. Oh, <laughs> no, a rainbow, yeah. You should go to Hawaii for that. There's a lot of them. Oh, yeah. Uh, interesting I mean, idea. You really actually could get rain and sun at the same time in Hawaii. So I think Hurt 100. There you go. Yeah. Um, I have two more questions. Alyssa, I'm sure you have one or two also. Um, how does tea taste out of... Uh, finisher mug a moab 240 finisher mug does it taste better does it enhance the flavor somehow what tastes the best out of it granola with almond butter mixed in that's what i've had out of it so far because i woke up this morning and i was hungry and that i went and ate it in the bathroom because Preston and tiffany were still asleep so i ate it on the bathroom (laughs) um that's what no one knows. Like it's a it's a secret of Moab two forty fi- finishers. We get these like cups that enhance flavor magically somehow. Yeah. I don't know. Um, do so, but on a serious note, what did you learn out there? Do you have final thoughts on what you learned? What you take away? Is it too soon to have those? And then, kind of like anything else you want to share with someone thinking about doing this race? Um, I think some of the biggest things that I learned are ones that I already mentioned, like specifically hydration. I think I was so concerned with so many other things and thinking, you know, I'm, I'm still peeing, I'm drinking. And I was probably a little over, still over concerned with electrolytes. And I should have just taken a second and done the math of you normally drink four liters of water a day. Right now you're drinking two two and a half and you're hiking through the hot desert mountains, this isn't sustainable. And 
taken some time at an aid station to just really try to catch up on hydration, like I said, is probably the biggest lesson to apply to other events and other races. Um, hmm, what else did I learn? It's It really is such a mental game. Hmm. What else? What else? We want to sleep talk. Oh yeah, that'll be that'll be the story that I'll have them share. And I guess I learned that I can sleepwalk. That freaks me out when I read about people who are like, you know, Scott Jurek hiking the AT, like sleeping on his feet. I was like, how can you even do that? That's not possible. And you're probably right. That's probably like <laughs> yeah. Dean Dean Carnassus, I think running into traffic or something did the same thing. <laughs> Running for three days straight, yeah. Yeah, he, he didn't get hit or anything. Just yeah. Um, yeah. So I have two more questions. Um, Pacer, or, or I'm sorry, crew. Is there a big takeaway that you would suggest for others, or a big thing that you learned that you weren't expecting? Um. Be I mean, be expected like. Be, be ready to throw away all of the food that you had prepared. <laughs> uh, be ready to jump That's so in. true. I mean, be ready to jump in and, and, and race or, or, or pace. Adam, um, who was running kind of like with Allison in the beginning, he uh, ended up dropping both of his, I think both of his pacers on different legs. Um, one of them was the guy who was filming him that was just like, Adam's not doing a great job. Let's just jump in and, and pace him for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and then up at, I guess at, and you there, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Did somebody just open a box? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. That's amazing. <laughs> Um, apparently he just like, they had the aid station had a bunch of food that their crew didn't have. Like he ate pancakes and a burrito and like whatever it was something else. And then he just started running and he ended up finishing under a hundred hours. Yeah. Um, but there were times when Allison would come in and we would go through 15 different things and she'd be like, no, no. No, gross. How dare you for even suggesting that? Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's it um, for me. I, You know, a big thing on these races is sleep and when to sleep and the strategy that goes mm. behind that. And I think that's one of the biggest things we learned is Allison does better when it's cool. And if the day's not cool... Let's give her some rest so yeah. that she can just power through the night. Even though nights can mm-hmm. be tricky with hallucinations and and cold and whatever, yeah. she does better at night. So that's when she should be doing the majority of her running. Yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. Yeah, thinking I either need to find like some Alaska tundra ultras. Or, there are those. Yeah, just running it at night doesn't. Arrowhead. Yeah. I did a run. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. Well, we joked about the Lake Superior hiking trail that the the female time is definitely oh the female time beatable. Alyssa the female time is very beatable for both of us just FYI and let's go it's I, it's like three hundred miles or something yeah, is the trail and I, I think it. the record right now is like six days for women or something 
Yeah, the it's one of those those trails. It is very beautiful. It is kind of flat, but there are parts where it's like, oh, here's a thing, and then it's flat for a little while. Um, it's a beautiful trail, and on the men's side record, in the last few summers, it has been broken almost every other week. Oh, wow. Because there are people that are very much enjoying doing it um, because it's been a hiking trail for so long. that And it's, it's reasonable. It's not like the AT where it's like, oh, I'll just go run for 40 days or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's something where it's like, yeah, you know, we could actually do this and, and push the pace and do that. So, all right, ladies, let's. Let's, let's do it. Let's go do it. Well, I can't wait to get Preston and my husband Cody c- together because Cody went through the same thing where I, we packed and made all this food, and then I went, "How dare you! I will not eat that." Yeah. <laughs> so we just had. He just always ends up eating my leftover food for a week after I... any old. <laughs> That's like my five-year-old and two and a half-year-old. You make a whole dinner, they don't touch it, and then. Uh, yeah, same exact I mean, emotional I, response. <laughs> I pretty much would say that Allison and I are probably not far off a five-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I will Sound say. like Allison hit two and a half around Road Forty Six, though. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I was I was mad. Um, <laughs> say yesterday. I wonder if after I go thirty-eight miles, I'll understand why you're so picky about food. And I was like, whatever. We get into the hotel room last night, and Preston's like, I want to eat food, but I don't know what I want to eat. None of this sounds good. I don't want any of these snacks. And I was like, aha! That is so not true. You're one of the people. What I said was, I don't want a snack right now. I want a full-blown meal. And we we left the aid station, and there was pizza, and I didn't even ask because I was a ghost. Um... Of like, hey, is there vegan pizza over there? I'm lactose intolerant. Um, I didn't do that because, you know, it's just like, I just want to get home and have something, have some real food. And you were like, do you want some chocolate or this? And I was like, stop offering me these things. So I I sort of get it, but it wasn't like I was saying everything was gross. I could have eaten that chocolate. It wasn't like I was like, no, how dare you? It was just. All right. You wanted real food. Yeah, it's just like well, I, I, I want remember some real because food. I was probably asleep. So apparently last night. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh okay, man. Okay, so first of all, just real quick, I didn't really have that many hallucinations. I had a few very faint auditory hallucinations. It was mostly just like women chatting, but I couldn't ever hear what they were talking about. But then I took a long shower, and when the shower train started talking to me, it's when I was like, <laughs> it's going now. Like the sound of the water draining in the drain, I was like, "Are these words?" No, time to go to sleep. So then I got out of bed, or got out of bed, got out of the shower, went to bed, and fell asleep immediately. And apparently, I talked in my sleep the entire night. It was pretty fantastic. She she was like, "I think I'm just gonna go to bed," and like two seconds later, she. Full-blown dreaming, saying, well, it can't be missing because I don't even have one. No one cares. <laughs> what? Are you talking to me? Yeah. yeah. And then and I finally, I went to the van and cooked a meal. And then when I came back after I ate it, I, I fell asleep. And I would, I would wake up 
to her saying something, and then I respond, and then we both fall back asleep. <laughs> Tiffany's in the cop being like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> um, mine was... Uh, She's still hallucinating called- monkeys, probably. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, Tiffany. Yeah. Um, Allison's thing was, I'm sure she was producing something, because mine was that she really woke me up. She's like, no, you can't park that truck here. I was like, what? What truck? What are you... What? And then she didn't respond. I was like, okay, I go back to bed. Oh, man. Uh, As far as advice for anyone thinking about doing this race, I would say, like you imparted to me, Rob, but I, I don't think you can understand until you do it. Just don't underestimate it. It's, it is really hard. There are a few, you know, more runnable, easy sections that have road or gravel road. Um, but there are some sections that will really challenge you physically, mentally. Uh, there were people doing it that it was one of their first ultras, if not their first ultra. I don't think that that is smart. While I do kind of like that you don't have to have run some sort of specific race before as a requirement. Um, I don't, I'm not advocating that that be set, but I do think for each individual person, like, even just having the experience of running 137 miles was hugely helpful to, you know, my crew for knowing what I needed for me to know my body and go, okay, it's really more that I need hydration at this stop. And then I can pack calories and start to eat those later on down the trail. Um, you know, just things like that are, are so important because I every, couldn't agree more. Yeah. Yeah. Every, section is a challenge don't expect any section to be easy even if it's a runnable road if it's hot and exposed oh yeah it you know that, that's a major challenge yeah that guys are to pull or guys are to porcupine we were like dodging weaving on each edge of the road just to get a little bit of shade because mm-hmm. you're right there yeah but so, do it of course do it mm-hmm you know, challenge yourself. Go for it. I'm inspired. See what you're capable of. And I also might want to do a, a really long race just so that you have to crew it. <laughs> put the other. Put the shoe on the other foot. That's the expression. <laughs> so, Allison, now that you've done 137 mile FKT and Moab 240, do you think your destiny is? the longer races or are you excited to get back to some shorter things where where are you headed i'm not sure to be honest right now the only race that i have coming up is the leona divide 100k that was canceled this year so i just have you know my entry rolled over to april of next year um so i'm really not sure um definitely in the middle of this race I was like this is stupid I'm never doing this again I should only run like a 50 miler where you're finished in one day um and you can actually remember your own name and what you're doing (laughs) but like any like almost any ultra then you finish and you're like that was great what what's next you know what are we doing next um so I'm, I'm honestly, I'm really not sure. I think I want to play around with some of the distances too. I've still only ever run a 50K officially, a 50K, um, a 50 miler and a, mar- a trail marathon. 
and then Moab 240. I've only done four races. And so, that, that that's not, you know, the ultra races. Those are races ever in her yeah, life. Yeah, I've never done a half marathon or a 5K or anything like that. Like, truly, I've only ever competed. Well, we did the turkey trot. Oh, sure. I did the <laughs> turkey trot. Excuse me. I have done five races. I forgot that I did my local turkey trot. Um, Trying to enhance your running background by leaving out the turkey trot? Oh. Yeah, awesome. I mean... That really, that's ultrasound at points there. It's got to go in. Oh, man. So so I'm not sure. Like, I'm, I, this has made me really intrigued to try 100K because, you know, it's a little bit further than 50, but you can still push like you can. So I, I just want to, I think, explore. I think finding a 100 miler to see how that compares. Hundred um, K is such a good distance. It's a sweet distance. Yeah, because yeah. it it just like you said about fifty milers. Like you can get it done in a day. You remember your name. If you suffer, it's only for like three hours. You know, it's yeah. not a total not train wreck. Um, yeah. Hopefully, but and you're you're also not hitting that. Like I cannot recover in a right. like it's going to yeah. take forever to recover. Like you can recover from a hundred K pretty well. And yeah. be a, a functioning human being the next day as well. Yeah. Yeah. Which is nice. And we were also kind of discussing a little bit on the trail um, that because we now, you know, have really solidified that she likes running in the cold and that's better for her. If we're going to do another FKT in some place, train for it, make a window of opportunity in which you could run it, mm-hmm. like set some things aside. And then wait for when the weather is optimal. Yeah. And and kill that FKT yeah. when you know that the the conditions are gonna be Yeah. Right. I would say actually this this would be my answer. I, I love races, you know, Candace puts on great races. Three of the five, including the turkey trot that I've run, have been destination trail races. <laughs> I really um her races and the way she puts them on. Um but what I did think about is I also really enjoy doing FKTs. There's some of them that are, you know, ones I can go out and do quickly myself. You know, they're 20, 30 miles. But the nice thing about doing a supported FKT is because, you know, I have pacers um, and crew. And the if I'm already saying it's supported, you know, Preston could walk three miles down the trail from the next stop that I have set up, find me like Aaron did and say, you know, what do you want to get cooking? And then he can take my pack and take it down the trail and start filling it. Um, rather than, you know, come into Indian Creek, have to walk over here, check in, uh, check out, carry my pack all the way to the van. I mean, I completely understand why those are the rules, but even just those few minutes of being free on an FKT are huge. Yeah, FKTs are a lot more uh, controllable, controllable, and mm-hmm. enjoyable for crew. <laughs> right. We have, yeah. you know, we know what's going on with her at most stations, and we don't have to, you know, you're only allowed to park here. You can't be here at this point. Right. You know, things like that. Yeah. That totally understand why, but make it more difficult to support our runner. Right. You know? So I think I think that is something I will continue to explore more. Is just fun. FKTs. 
all around. Well, I, I appreciate you guys taking all this time to share what took place Moab 240. I'm sure there's tons more stories that we could talk about. Uh, but just huge congrats for gutting it out. I know Matt Daniels and I were texting back and forth that your mental toughness is like off the charts. Like we were both just in awe that you kept going uh, like you did for over four and a half days. So uh, Tiffany, thank you. It was great getting to know you and Preston also congrats on becoming an ultra runner. Uh, You guys were just awesome crew and, and great people to get to know. And I mean, my final thought is I'm probably never going to tie Allison's shoes again because I'm kind of traumatized. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I really I enjoyed hearing this background. And Alyssa, thank you, as always, for helping co-host. I really enjoyed oh, it. Thank you. That was a lot of fun. So where can people follow you or find you guys? Uh, I'm on Instagram, Allison H. Powell, two L's and Allison, and two in Powell is the best way. I'm on Instagram, T. Murray Camera. That's T-M-U-R-R-A-Y camera, like photo camera. And I am an old man. My uh, Instagram is my full name, at Preston Daniel Grant. Are you like one of the first thousand accounts opened and... Well, well, there's a bunch of Preston Grants in the world, but there's only one Preston Daniel Grant. (laughs) And and if anyone needs a reminder to vote, you can count on Allison. (laughs) And that was episode 148. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Big thank you to Allison Powell for taking so much of her time, along with Preston and Tiffany. Really appreciate you guys. Alyssa Clark, as always, thank you for co-hosting. She's doing a lot of amazing work on training the number four adventure.com. So check out some of her work there. And big thank you to the show sponsors, Hammer Nutrition, Exoskin, Kogala. And if you're interested in advertising on the podcast, feel free to reach out to me and I'll be taking on some new sponsors here in the next month or two. So again, big thank you to the show sponsors, Patreon supporters. Don't forget to enjoy your training. Have a great week.